0: Edutainment Learning is powered by Academica Virtual Education and Collegiate TV. For more information, visit www.edutainmentlearning.com.
1: My name is Karen Batesel. My title, I suppose, my military title was uh, captain, Navy captain, which is a little bit different than the Army and the Air Force because we have a different rank structure. It's equivalent. But my title right now is Battle Axe. That is a name that came with me from the Navy and from other places, and I named my business that in order to um, sort of capture who I am. And a lot of people have said, well, why in the world would you call yourself a name like that? Well, the truth of the matter, if you look at the history of that term, it just means a strong, um, sharp-tongued woman, and I thought, nothing wrong with that. So that's who I am.
0: There's nothing wrong indeed with that. Do you mind if we jump straight into some of the student questions that are even emailed to me? And those of you who just jumped on, feel free to put those questions in the chat to uh, Captain Batesel. I'll put her her website in our chat right now so you guys can check that out. That's truebattleaxe.com. So we have a question. One of the students wanted to know that you had over 30 years uh, as one of the Navy's senior most female aviators. How did you uh, go about that? And was it more difficult uh, being a woman than if you were a man?
1: The way I went about it was first I joined the Navy and I joined it. I made a decision when I was probably along the age of of the kids that are listening now and the students that are listening now. I, I didn't have a lot of opportunity where I was growing up. Didn't have a lot of family support to sort of go to college or do that sort of thing. So I kind of had to figure that stuff out on my own. And I managed to get through community college and a four-year college. And then it was, what do I do now? And I saw a woman in an airport. This is a true story. Saw a woman in an airport in a uniform. And to this day, I don't know what what uniform she was wearing, whether she was a flight attendant or a military person. But I looked at her and I said, I'm going to do that. Now, I don't recommend that as a decision-making process, guys, because that just happened to work out great for me. So there are lots of places where you can find out information about the military service. Once I got in the Navy, I looked at the Navy and I really loved it. And I thought there's three things people in the Navy do. They fly or they fly planes, they drive ships, or they drive submarines. Well, at that time, there were no women allowed to drive submarines. So that left ships and planes. And I thought I would enjoy flying more than driving a ship. Now. You wanna know how much flight experience I had when I made this momentous decision? Right there, none. So I said, I better get myself prepared. So I went to private ground school, took the test for the Navy and ended up in flight school. At the time I was one of, um, I think we took about 15 women a year at that time, which statistically made it easier to be an astronaut than to be a female Navy pilot. And I found out that I really loved it. And Realize that any limitations, and this is important, if you don't listen to anything else I say today, guys, listen to this. The limitations that I had as a woman, as a pilot, as a Naval officer were all in my own head. You might hear this story of a glass ceiling, like there's an invisible ceiling and you can't go any higher than that. It's really an invisible hat. So take that hat off and throw it away and say, there's no reason why I can't do it. I'm as smart as those guys. I can work as hard as that person. I can do this. So that's how I ended up doing it. And 30, I joined for four years and I stayed for 30. So that should tell you how much I enjoyed it.
0: Well, you certainly did. And and, uh, according to your website, you logged over 2000 military flight hours. I did. And one of the kids wanted to know what is your most memorable uh, mission that you ever went on? That's easy that's easy. This
1: was a routine, very routine uh, utility flight in in an H-46 helicopter, which is the heavy tandem lift helicopters, two two rotor heads, and you often see them carrying loads underneath in in some sort of sling. But we were just doing a routine uh, utility hop to go pick up some people, some Marines that um, had been out on sort of like a a week-long training exercise, and they were out in the woods, and we had to go pick them up. So we picked them up, and as we were Coming back, we were flying over the Chesapeake Bay near Patuxent Naval Air Station, which is where the test pilot school is. And we're just a couple of helicopter pilots chugging along and all of a sudden we hear an emergency beacon. Now, most of the time, like smoke detectors, an emergency beacon goes off and it's just a mistake or somebody's testing it. But it turned out this one was a real one. And we look up and coming down in front of our helicopter were two parachutes with two guys that had to jump out of a uh, aircraft that was, had, had they had to eject because the aircraft was uh, on fire. And being in the right place at the right time, we picked up two, me and my crew, picked up two uh, fellow naval aviators who uh, jumped into 53 degrees seawater. Now, let me tell you something, 53 degrees seawater will kill you quickly. Hypothermia will set in. And you, you can kill you quickly, even if you're wearing a wetsuit, which these guys were. Even as it was, we, we watched them hit the water, went immediately in to pick them up, and they could barely move. That's how cold the water was. And one of those guys that we pulled out of the water went on to be an astronaut. So my most memorable, my most memorable flight was one where you just never, never, ex- expected in a million years that something cool like that would happen, not not for those guys, but the opportunity to save a life for somebody that went on to be somebody fabulous. So that hour, remember that flight for the rest of my life.
0: That sounds like it's something straight out of a movie. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) Absolutely incredible. One of the kids wanted to know, how would you recommend for someone to uh, prepare for the military flight aptitude test? And for those who don't know what that is, can you uh, explain that?
1: Sure. There's, there's a, a test, a sort of a standardized test, and it's, it's a highly predictable test to tell whether you have the skills to, and, and the aptitude to be a pilot. And obviously, um, aptitude is not just something you're born with. Aptitude is something you develop. It's a long test and it's kind of compared to some of the most of the tests that you probably take in school. It's a little goofy because you look at like line drawings and you have to figure out spatial apperceptions and what this would fit in there. They're trying to measure if you have the um, spatial aptitude in your mind to operate a piece of heavy equipment at very high speed, is what basically flying is. The way you prepare yourself for that is a couple things. Just let's say, first let's let let's talk about getting ready for aviation in general. Stay in school, don't drop out. If you're having trouble reading, go to your teachers and say, I need some help with reading, okay? It helps to be strong in math, but it is not a deal breaker. I'm okay in math, I'm not a genius. Differential equations is, but reading, following directions, and basic math are important, so you can't neglect those core those core subjects. The next thing I would recommend: stay in physical shape, because you're gonna that's demanding. It's demanding, uh, especially in flight school. It's demanding to get through the curriculum uh, if you're not in great shape. Stay away from booze and drugs. You're gonna be tested. You're gonna be tested right away, and you're gonna be tested frequently and you don't need it. It's not gonna help you. Both of them are poisons, so stay away from it. Let's see what else. To prepare yourself for the test, there are actually books that you can do practice tests so you can kind of get your head around what you're gonna see. And I think those are a good idea because what it helps you do is develop some, some competence in the test type questions and it builds your own confidence that you can do this. So those are the things I would recommend that you do to get ready. If you're looking for, if you don't have a lot of, if you don't have a lot of money, and you would like to get some private hours flying, look around and see if there's a civil air patrol around where you live. If not, and I'm speaking to the American kids now, um, junior ROTC and ROTC will both give you opportunities that you might not have, because flying is an expensive hobby. If you're if you're trying to buy um, private hours by yourself, it can be very very expensive. And remember, I had none. I had none, that's, it's not a deal breaker, but if you wanted to get into the air, look into Civil Air Patrol and
0: ROTCs. One of the, and Thank you for that wonderful uh, advice. I know that's priceless to a lot of the kids given your resume and the things that you've done. Um, one of the kids wanted to know, can you list all of the aircrafts that you've flown? Because it's, it's yes. a lot.
1: Yes, um, I started out flying the T-34 um, Mentor. It's a turboprop. That's, that was the Navy's trainer at the time. It's since been replaced. Then I went to uh, intermediate or um, introductory helicopters, which is TH-57 Bell Jet Ranger. Uh, they're still flying around. They're, you see them in a lot of movies. Then I flew the UH-1, which is the one you always see in the Vietnam movies. That was the advanced helicopter. Then I flew the H-46 um, C-Night, which is the tandem rotor one that I just described that I did the rescue in. Then I flew the C-12 C-12. Um, uh, King Air, which is a um, turbo uh, dual-engine turboprop uh, tr- transport plane, a small transport plane, carries seven passengers. And then I finished up my career flying the C nine, which is essentially an MD eighty. Which, if you've ever flown an air in an airliner, it's basically the Navy's version of an airliner. Which makes me sort of weird because very few people in the Navy fly helicopters, propeller aircraft, and jet aircraft. But because at the time. They didn't really know what to do with women in the Navy flyers because of the combat restrictions that have since been repealed. But when I was coming up, they had not been repealed. So they had to find a career path for us, which caused us to have to change uh, aircraft types. So I was a great beneficiary. And on top of that, I served on six different ships. So that was pretty awesome too. Aircraft carriers and supply ships and ammo ships mostly.
0: That's incredible. We'll go with a few more student questions and then we'll let you go. One of the kids wanted to know what what, uh, things did you need to study when you were in school that helped you become a better pilot?
1: I would say that being a good student in almost any discipline will help you in flight school. And this is the reason why now, obviously, if you want to be an astronaut, aeronautical engineering is the way to go. Okay. But if you want to be a pilot. Just having strong study skills of any kind is important. If you want to lean toward the technicals, that would be a good idea. Math engineering would be, you know, at the top of the list if you're if you're sort of just making a choice. My degree though was in economics. so. And I went to flight school with a guy with a degree in trumpet performance. He was a musician that ended up being a Navy pilot. So that is not as restrictive as you might think. Now, obviously a technical degree might help you a little bit more. I had to work a little harder in flight school than the guys who were engineers understanding how the aircraft worked. But I'm not a genius, but I am a very hard worker and I knew how to study, that's key. That's going to be key no matter what you do. So I would tell you, learn how to study. And your teachers would, if you went up to your teachers and said, help me learn how to study better, they would love you.
0: That is true. And uh, it all takes is that that first step uh, of, for a million miles. is just that first step. So you're just asking. So before we let you go, and I, I put your website out there for everyone to check out, before uh, we end the meeting for all, is there any advice that you could give to these kids, even if they don't want to become a pod or if they were just kind of interested a little bit, whatever they want to go off into the world and do as someone as accomplished as yourself, what kind of advice could you impart on them? Sure.
1: You you have a long life in front of you, guys, a really long life. But you're entering into a time in your life where you can make decisions that are really critically important that could last the rest of your life. So here's some advice from an old lady. Okay, slow down. You don't have to run out and get married right away. You don't have to run out and get have babies right away. Get yourself established in who you want to be as a young person. And don't limit yourself to what everybody in your family's done, or what the people in my neighborhood do, or what the people open your mind up to the possibilities that are out there for you because they are extraordinary. Especially for people who in the past never had the opportunities that that are available today. Now, I, I just wanna say, we're handing you a world with a lot of issues to deal with us older people. And we're depending on your generation to help. We, we need to take care of our planet is one that involves everybody. So there are places where you can literally change the world. Keep your mind open to that and, and remember that we need you. You're important no matter where you are, no matter who you are. You're important to the future. So treat yourself like you're important.
0: That's phenomenal advice and we can't thank you enough for connecting with us today. And before I end the meeting for all, I'm gonna allow everybody to, I'm gonna ask everyone to unmute. And can we all say thank you to Captain Baitel for taking the time out of her busy day to talk to you guys. quick? Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you
1: so much.
0: Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.